Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. A few weeks ago, I chatted to Dara Ohulokan about the importance of tillage in contributing to biodiversity within the landscape. On all tillage farms, hedgerows are an extremely important part of that biodiversity. So today we're chatting to Catherine Keena, an environmental specialist, to talk in detail about these hedges and how to manage these habitats. I first asked Catherine, how important are hedges for biodiversity? Well, hedges are important for so many reasons, Michael. Um, even on the biodiversity point of view, they have they contain lots of flora and fauna, um, birds live in them, mammals live in them. But I suppose their main difference with other habitats is the linear nature of them. So there are they are like um, roadways from uh, for, for us from a wildlife point of view. So birds, bats, bees, butterflies, everything that goes out follows linear habitats even to move from where they roost to where they nest, for example, in the case of bats. So they have a huge, um, they're far more important than they're actually, than the actual area beneath them, if you know what I mean. If they were all put in a corner of a field or an acre of a field, uh, they would not be, uh, they would not hold or keep, maintain the, 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 the biodiversity in the area. So they're, they're as networks of nature, corridors for movement, I'd say that's their main importance. And then obviously what's inside them then, you have the trees and the plants and flowers for the bees and homes for the birds, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, they're just full of biodiversity. Then maybe uh, to move on there, we know they sequester carbon. We don't know everything about it. Um, Chagas and Johnson Castle are doing further research to quantify exactly how much measuring everything that moves in or around the hedge um, and, and which hedges is sequester more but we know they're good for carbon um, then they're very good from a water point of view water quality a hedge landscape has been shown to have better water quality makes total sense to farmers you know they, they act as barriers um, you know they were always they were put there long ago usually in the places for a good reason you know they go with the topography they go with the so they're good from what then from a landscape point of view they're they're beautiful you know um they're kind of traditionally part of the Irish landscape um so look at I could go on and on Michael but they are good <laughs> okay I sense your passion for sure certainly about about them so <laughs> from what you're saying there that it's 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 as much the location of the hedges uh, in as much as the the hedges themselves so if a farmer wanted to remove a hedge, what's the current position in terms of, of, of the law of, of the land out there? Uh, can uh, hedges be removed or what happens? Okay, there's two clear things that are very distinct and often get mixed up. We have the EIA for looking for permission and then we have cross-compliance for your um, BPS, your, your, premium, your, your money. So the two are separate and not to be confused. Okay, let's go for the permission first of all. Um, the first, the answer to your question is they can be removed. In some cases, they need permission. And um, okay, so from and when with regard to permission from the EIA, um, the environmental uh, um, regulations, if you create a new field that's going to be more than five hectares or if you remove 500 metres, 
you must look for permission to the Department of Agriculture through the EIA. And I'd say the five hectares first, because that's usually the one that hits the farmer, you know, even if they remove less than 500 metres. So five hectares or 500 metres, you must look for permission. There has been a very high um, approval rate for removing those hedges, um, 80, 90% over the, over the, the number of years since it came in in 2011. So you look for permission and they look at your situation and you will possibly get it. Then the second point is, and that's the law of the land. And um, if you don't do that, it's kind of you brought to court or end up in prison, that side of things. There's no penalty as such, financial penalty. Then not to mix that up with the BPS cross compliance, if you remove any amount of hedgerow, be it 10 metres or up to the 500 metres, um, you may do that without asking anybody, but you must replant before you remove, replant somewhere else on your holding. So that's, that's quite effective because I find that it really makes people think twice. You won't go out willy-nilly removing them, but it does give the, the chance to remove one where it's really, really causing an obstacle, and then you replant. Now, definitely the replanted hedge will not be the same uh, value from a biodiversity and the other point of view, because uh, it'll take years and years and years, you know, hundreds of years to have the same um, value. But nevertheless, you are new hedges are also good. So, yeah, permission plus replant, yeah. So, Catherine, we'll, so in terms of in, in, in tillage fields, it's, 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 or for tillage farms, it's kind of difficult um, to, to take them out. And as you say, you, you people have to rightly think about um, taking them out. So, however, I suppose the other side of it then, machinery has become a good bit better over the last 20 years. There's lots of capacity out there in terms of hedge cutters to, I suppose, tidy up a hedge and make it kind of neat and tidy. Is that kind of the right thing to do then if you don't have a choice about moving a hedge or is that a good thing anyway? I suppose tidiness in every farm is not good for biodiversity, even coming back to our lawns or, the, you know, uh, general areas. Tidiness in the point of view of um, of plants. Now, I don't mean tidiness untidy of, of, in other ways. But so t- neat and tidy is not good in general. Short back and sides uh means there will be no birds or no bees associated with that hedge. So we cannot claim to have, for our green image to have um, biodiversity living alongside on our farms if we have short back and side hedges. For example, birds will not nest in a hedge that's less than 1.5 metres high. Um, farmers and contractors will know that you, during the winter now, at this stage now that the leaves are gone and you're walking along your hedges, you'll see that the, he- the nest would be at eye level. They don't nest below that. They're clever enough to know the fox or the, the we get them at the ground level or the, the birds of prey or the magpies or whatever we get them if they're up near the top of the hedge. So nice, they need cover if they're going to nest in the hedge. So if you have, uh, yeah, so that's the main thing. The shape is, is important, especially if you have a newly planted hedge or where you're starting with a dense space to try and ideally shape it to kind of a triangular profile rather than a box because it lets more light at the base and we want to keep the base growing rather than it's not a race to the top. So ideally, side trim from a triangular, from a wide base to a triangular profile and still um, cutting the growing point because with apical dominance, the, the tree will grow up into a single tree and that's fine if we want that kind of a hedge, but if we want a hedgerow uh, that keeps its base, we leave it. And the only thing we would ask in that kind of a hedge where you are chopping it, 
So with the height, we also need some flowers in the hedge and we can achieve this by leaving an occasional thorn tree. And I specifically say thorn because they are really, really important for flowers for the bees. You know, if you think of the white thorn in May and why even even an occasional tree on every, in every field side would give a huge bounty of flowers for bees and obviously follow on then the fruit for the, the birds and mammals in the autumn. So very simple things. I'm not sure that those individual trees, whether they cause a problem for, for tillage farmers, but in general, they're, they're not, um, people just don't think about it. Okay, so obviously maintenance of hedges then is slightly more complicated than just your standard short back and size, as you call it. And you were saying that the ideal shape for a hedge is the A shape, if you like, rather than the square box or the looking like a wall kind of scenario. So where do you have a reasonable hedge that's relatively full, if you like, um, but has been cut in a, a, a square shape, if you like, for the last number of years? How long does it take for that if you're going to uh, shift then across to the A-shaped um, hedge? How long would it take for that to kind of come to where we would like it to be? Um, yeah, and especially maybe if you're thinking of a low hedge, maybe on top of a bank, you might only have a foot there and you want to get it up. It's not a case of, again, a race to the top because they grow, you know, a foot 18 inches each year. But ideally what you do is you come back down and cut a few inches above last year's cut. So let them up gradually. That's for the height. So, you know, it, rather than it, what really wears out a hedge is, is cutting it back to the same point every year and maybe cut, because wherever you cut a thorn or any tree, it will sprout beneath it. So it thickens and then you suddenly come back and put, it's put all its energy into putting in five shoots and then you come back and remove them. Whereas if you come back and cut back down to, to an inch above the five shoots, then you'll have 25 the year after. So it's little by little by little we get the height up and then little by little with the shape also. So if you are lucky enough to have a dense space, you know, just gradually taper it in. It's not the most important, but just you can see it if, if, if you see, especially on, on the shady side of a hedge, to get the light down um, where possible to kind of make a, a, a bit of a shape in to get the, and it's, it's ideal then when you are letting the height up a little bit to do both together. Okay. And could a farmer argue that, um, well, look, I, I have been trimming the hedge uh, in kind of a, a square shape for the last number of years. And yes, the bottom of it isn't wonderful anymore. Um, but you know what? There's an awful lot of um, grasses and various other different things in the base of that. Is that not every bit as valuable for wildlife anyway? Absolutely, Michael. I, I totally agree um, that we must consider what do we want out of the hedge. And when we talk about keeping it stockproof, that, that may not always be essential. And you're right, I'm looking at a hedge in front of me here on a farm and, you know, there's gaps between each stem so the animal could get through, but it's full of stuff. So, yes, I mean, it goes back to the margin beside the hedge is equally valuable. So from the bat and bird flying along, as long as there's a, there's a non-cropped area, that's kind of a, a margin. So that slightly argues against having a perfect hedge. But to me, like if it's, if it's tall, gappy row of trees, um, that is still very valuable for wildlife. So it's really a case of what you want. I think farmers like the dense space, maybe for shelter or for for animals but not maybe so much on tillage farms it doesn't matter as much and where a uh, uh, catherine a farmer has a hedge that is that bit gappy and it's a bit leggy if you like and um, that the, the base isn't wonderful in it is it 
uh, possible or is is there any form of success in interplanting that hedge and um, with, with with new plants if you like to try and fill it up does that work mm, very very difficult it's not something i particularly favor you can try it you can do it um planting anything into an existing hedge uh, it's dry it's inhospitable it's it's difficult so i would either leave the hedge into the relic hedge as i would say i i tend to like to leave the old relic hedges as they are and maybe plant a new one somewhere else and um, but if you do want to try if there's enough stems in that old hedge the escape hedge if it's kind of not gone too bad there's absolutely no problem in bringing it rejuvenating it by bringing, cutting it down. The most important thing then is if you are cutting down a hedge um, to rejuvenate it, to cut it at ground level, not a foot up, not 18 inches up, because then you'll end up with a toilet brush hedge where you'll have, because the growth will be pulled to where you cut. And other very important thing, if you are rejuvenating a hedge, which tillage farmers are very good at doing, don't forget to leave the occasional old tree that has been there for 200 years that will, you know, the, even the, the white thorn, leave one or two thorns um, where you are cutting back the others. But you really, you, you will only have a success with that if there's kind of one, or at the moment, if there's one stem per meter. If, if there's two wider gaps, you're cutting it back, but you're still not gaining a stockproof hedge. So you have to question, why are you doing it? So you have to be really clear as to what do you want out of the hedge? What do you want it to look like in 10 years' time, in 20 years' time? And it kind of then it becomes very obvious what to do, Michael, rather than saying this is the thing you do with every hedge. Okay. And contractors are, uh, I suppose, a vital part out there in terms of maintaining the hedges. And uh, I suppose they probably Critical, see more of the hedges yeah. than, than the farmers themselves. And I think a lot of them probably have their own way of doing it in terms of um, they have, uh, maybe they're used to cutting hedges uh, on, on the side of the roads, which tend to be cut maybe quite severely and perhaps that, that leaks into farms. So obviously then, whenever we've talked about already, the farmer needs to have a good conversation with that contractor before the work starts. Uh, how does that Absolutely critical. Yeah, yeah. How does the farmer start that conversation to make sure he that the the farmer gets what he wants, if you like? I think the first thing is just to have it because what we've found from our own research is that the farmers think the contractors know best. The contractors think they're doing what the farmers want and they all think they're doing what the neighbours and the general public think looks nice. And in the end, you know, it's a vicious circle there that really needs to be broken. And I've worked with contractors all the years and contractors do a job for money. And in my experience, they will do what the farmer wants. But they really want to please the farmer. And currently, they tend to think that a lovely, neat job that you could put a level on, they take pride in their work. But so they must... I'd be very disappointed if the farmer said to the contractor they wanted it done in uh, uh, so that the hedge is fit for birds and bees, that the contractor then wouldn't do it or wouldn't be able to do it. So it's really about the conversation that you have mentioned, Michael. And the main thing is just to have it, you know, uh, do you, you know, can you cut the hedges um, that they're friendly for birds and bees? That's the question, I suppose, to start with. And that's a very simple, I suppose, uh, instruction to give to a contractor. Uh, leave my hedge so that it's fit for birds and bees. I think that's a very nice way of putting it. For a the contractor then themselves, is there a way or is there 
some training or some um, some some guidance there that, that that a contractor can easily get their hands on to know what that actually means. Make sure my hedge is fit for birds and bees. We do offer formal um, training every year in, in Paliskenry College. Now, in recent years, there hasn't been much of an uptake for it for contractors. Now, that's the formal side, oftentimes, where they're um, looking for work from, you know, uh, tendering for work, and they value having the certificate. But again, we work with the, the, the contractor organisations to try and do, I mean, this year, if, if things if were not COVID, we would be having um, events. And I think we'd be working with the likes of you, Michael, on tillage events to, to, to show. So obviously, we're, we're not out and about now. So it's all about the literature. And um, we had Chagas Kedro Week in December will be uh, supplying lots of videos, including contractors and how to cut the hedges right. So, yeah, we have lots of material at the moment. Um, don't hesitate to contact Chagas at any point. Okay, plenty of that material on, on www.chagas.ie. Um, Catherine, I just want to ask you one very final question. And uh, you mentioned it as we were going through. You mentioned margins, and we kind of skirted, skirted past it quite quickly there. Obviously, on tillage farms, you have the hedge, but you can also have the margin beside it. How should these be, or is there an ideal width for them? When should they be cut? Is there a frequency of when they should be cut? What's your advice for farmers on that side of it? Yeah, and your first question, our comment there was that they're beside the hedge. You could also have a grassy margin between two crops, between between two fields along a wire fence. It can be, it's a different habitat, but it's very, very, very good and almost, uh, you know, as good as a hedge. Um, management is, if we do not cut them, they'll turn into scrub. Scrub can be good, but that is not what we're looking for here. We're looking for a grassy, a rough grassy margin. Um, so the ideal is to cut either once every three years or cut one third of them every year. Or, you know, even, even if they're cut every year, that's fine. But the main thing is they cut after flowering. So cut late autumn, winter. Um, you know, as I said, every year, every two years, every three years. And, and you'll have a lovely, lovely structure there that you'll have spiders and, and invertebrates, in, you know, over winter in in those big clumps of grass. It's a bit like what you see along the side of a lovely, you know, country road. You'll see all the lovely stuff that's there. You do not see the docks and the trestles and the nettles that people don't like in the margins. They're only there because nutrients are gone in. So, you know, there's some lovely stuff everybody knows along the sides of the road. That's the sort of stuff we would love to see in a grassy margin on farms. Okay, Catherine, um, very thankful for your time today. I know you're busy and you're out and about down in Cork looking at some of the of the aforementioned hedges. So, look, thanks very much for your time. We hope maybe to catch up with you again maybe uh, in next year at some stage. Thanks again, Catherine. You're very welcome, Michael. Bye-bye. That's it for the Tillage Edge this week. And my thanks to Catherine for joining me on the podcast. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more farming information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. And I'll be back in two weeks with more tillage news and advice.